Hi everyone, I'm Suzanne Ricci, the Chief Success Officer at Computer Coach, and you're tuning into Talent Acquisition Talks, where job seekers get real-world advice from the top talent acquisition professionals, recruiters, career coaches, resume writers, and more. I'm asking the questions that you want the answers to, so let's get to it. With me today, we have Jesus Badari with Tech Data. So hi, Jesus, thanks for joining us. Hi, everybody. Thank you for allowing me to be on here. Sure, absolutely. So Jesus, let's start. Tell me, what is your official title over at Tech Data? So I am a talent acquisition partner over at Tech Data. And what do you do? Like, what's a day in the life of Jesus? Uh, well, uh, a number of different things. So. My main role at Tech Data is, again, the talent acquisition role, which is more so recruitment and uh, human resources functions um, for the talent acquisition team. Uh, my main focus uh, is within our IT technology department. Um, so I actually support the Americas region, uh, which is really from Canada all the way down to South America. Um, that's the, the region that we primarily focus in here with our team. Um, but I also help support the teams in EMEA and Asia Pacific as well. Um, and in addition to the core talent acquisition functions that, I, that I'm typically a part of, um, I also am very deeply involved in the diversity and inclusion efforts as well, um, being a part of the um, employee resource groups and diversity councils within our organization. So that's, for the most part, a little bit of a blended role between the two, but uh, you know, my main focus uh, is within the talent acquisition team. I love that. So just in case anybody doesn't know, Tell me, what does Tech Data do? So Tech Data, we are uh, a Fortune 100 company. Uh, we are focused in the areas of technology distribution. Um, so some of the biggest names that you might know of are Cisco, Microsoft, Amazon, um, Dell, HP, the list goes on and on. But um, you know, our focus is to get those products to market. And we do that through what we call the IT channel. Um, and so essentially, we purchase the products from some of those big names, what we call original manufacturers, and we get into our resellers. Um, so resellers being like, um, you know, for example, um, CDW, right? CDW is a big uh, organization that actually gets those products to then the end user, which could be anybody like schools, hospitals, um, you know, public, uh, public agencies or, or government buildings, um, pretty much anybody that requires a technology product from a microchip all the way to a data center and everything in between, laptops, phones, um, you know, we, we actually provide those services. Um, and so that's just one aspect of, of what tech data does. That's what we've done for 45 years. And, uh, we've actually done quite a bit of, quite a few changes over the past five years or so, um, to really focus in, uh, the areas of next, next generation technology. So cybersecurity, cloud and data analytics. So. And you're headquartered here, right? In the Tampa Bay area over in St. Pete, right? Yep. In Clearwater or Largo technically, but yes, Tampa Bay area. Love that, that's awesome. So you brought up that you do talent acquisition and you brought up the word recruiting in the same sentence. So I think one of the questions I would love to know the answer to is what exactly is the difference between talent acquisition and recruiting? You hear the words a lot, but is there even a difference? Yeah, you know, I think, I think the, core, the, the role in its core is not that much different. I think when you consider um, the roles within an organization, they do vary a little bit. Um, you know, recruiting is one of those functions that, um, I'll put it this way. It's always been kind of like the redheaded stepchild of HR, 
Um, you know, if you take it back to, um, you know, a number of years and just through my own experiences within, um, you know, the HR department that I've been a part of, um, you know, most organizations that aren't at the scale of tech data or, or let's say a Citibank or Raymond James, right, um, that, that can put together a talent acquisition team, um, you know, typically they, they take those functions and, you know, they disperse them throughout the HR department, right? So some folks may be doing you know, simultaneously, and this is where you run into like an HR generalist, right? Where they're, they're doing a variety of different roles, whether it's benefits or compensation or, you know, recruiting, they're all kind of doing it all together. And so our organization at an enterprise level has decided that, you know, it, it's more beneficial for us to take that function, split it off and make it into its own specialty. Um, and that's what talent acquisition really is, right? It's, it's, a, it's a focus on the recruitment aspect and really, you know, tying the word talent acquisition to it, right? We're, we're trying to bring talent to the company. Um, and whether that's at the pre-hire stage, whether that's at the interview stage, post-hire, onboarding, right? Breaking each of those pieces down, owning those pieces, and ensuring that the candidate has the best experience as they take their journey through the interview process. Uh, because it is a scary feeling when you're interviewing for a new job um, and you know, especially when you're talking to folks that may not necessarily know what you do. And, and that's the, the whole point of talent acquisition is we're here to, to bridge that, that, that gap, that, that, that fear that somebody might have um, of interviewing and, and going through a, a new journey um, and, and really simplifying it a little bit more and making sure that they're communicated to throughout. So, um, you know, another piece that I like to add to that is, you know, and what I think a lot of folks uh, misunderstand in terms of recruiting um, you know, I, I've been recruiting for almost five years, um, specifically all in IT. And, um, you know, prior to coming to Tech Data, I worked for a staffing company. And um, so one of, the, one of the biggest things that I, I still get to this day is, is a little bit of confusion around, um, you know, when I reach out to a candidate on LinkedIn, let's say, um, and I say, you know, I'm a recruiter at Tech Data. Well, they always ask me the question, are you working for a staffing firm type of recruiter or are you like supporting Tech Data? And so I always have to draw the, the clear lines because you know, some candidates tend to have a different reaction depending on how you answer that question. Um, and, and, and it's understandable, right? Because, you know, when you're highly sought after talent, especially with an IT where the unemployment rate is less than 1%, um, you know, they're getting bombarded by these messages from recruiters. And so um, they want to know that, are, are, are you the type of person as a recruiter that's just there in it for the dollars and cents? Or are you there to really care about their career and, and take them to the next level? Um, and so it, it's all about the messaging on how you deliver that and, and really differentiating if you are a staffing recruiter that you really care about their career, that you really want to push them into a role that, that matters to them. And if you're in talent acquisition, that you're going to take them through this journey into, into this new organization that you're a part of and bring them into your family. So. I love to hear that because the experience that individuals have as they're going through looking for jobs is so important. And sometimes, you know, job seekers will come back and tell me, well, they, they just ghosted me, right? I never heard anything back. And it puts such a bad impression from the company standpoint. So I'm really glad to hear that you guys have a focus on making the experience for job seekers a, a good one. So how many people are in your talent acquisition team with you? Oh, um, well, that's a rough number, right? Because we, so in, in the Americas, um, we do, we do have the team split up a little bit. Um, so most of the team sits in, in Clearwater. I would say we have about almost a dozen between recruiters and coordinators um, that are part of the talent acquisition team. 
Um, this also includes our, our you know, our, our, our leadership team, which is, uh, you know, several supervisors and our director. Um, and then we have other team members that actually sit, um, uh, we have three that sit in Costa Rica and one that sits in Argentina. Um, so they really help support our Latin American functions, um, while our U.S. team focuses on, on the Canada aspect as well. So we're, we kind of cover, you know, the entire, pretty much this side of the world. Um, but that's about the size of our team right now. Okay. And how many jobs are you currently sourcing for? Uh, at the moment, um, I think we have about a little over 200, I believe. Um, and again, this is throughout the Americas. Um, here in the U.S., uh, we're probably a little bit less than 100. Um, you know, we're, we're given the situation, of course, you know, the hiring has slowed down a little bit, but we're still hiring nonetheless. And I think that's, that's what's exciting is that, you know, despite the circumstances that we're currently in, um, you know, we're, we're still bringing people onto our team. Um, we're still making significant changes. And, um, you know, we have a lot to, we have a lot to accomplish really in, in, in the, really in our, in our strategy and our portfolio, um, in, in our hopes to, to really change tech data into the next generation, you know, organization that we seek to, to make it. And, um, you know, really that's, uh, that, that kind of highlights the, the number of openings that we have. And it's, it's really diverse across all aspects of our organization, right? So that includes sales, IT, um, logistics and operations, finance and accounting, and, um, you know, pretty much everything in between. So. so that our listeners can get an idea, when you post one opening, how many applicants would you say on average you get for one opening at Tech Data? Depends uh, what type of job. Okay. Um, you know, I think, you know, if, if you're, I, I'll, take, I'll take myself as an example, right? So again, I, I, I mostly focus in the areas of IT. And, um, you know, depending on the role, depending on the skill set, um, you know, if, if it's a very um, niche skill set and, and something that's very difficult to find, um, you know, chances, you know, I'll, I'll get maybe a dozen, maybe two dozen resumes throughout the time that it's posted, um, which realistically isn't that much. Um, you know, when you, when you talk about the grand, you know, grander scale of things and, and the fact that we are a global company, um, you know, it's, it's difficult. So roles such as like SAP consultants, um, you know, maybe like pen testers or something like that. Um, you know, those roles tend to be a little bit more niche and, and difficult to find uh, or difficult to find candidates that are applying for those roles. Now, roles that you see that, that you know, will have, you know, more uh, candidates, you know, applied to um, are roles like developers, um, you know, product owners, QA, DevOps, we started to see a little bit more of um, and, and a little bit of, of roles that are that are similar to that to that nature. Um, so in, in we're, we typically look at upwards of maybe 80 to hundred resumes, uh, on some of those postings. Um, and it varies, of course, you know, depending on the time of the year, um, and you know, what we're looking for specifically, but. Yeah. So at tech data, are you guys currently using an ATS system when somebody applies? So we do, we do utilize some version of an ATS. I think most companies, if not all will use a version of an ATS. Uh, and or CRM, right? So either one, depending on you know their um, their ability to to purchase certain ATS systems, um, we actually utilize Workday um, as our main tool. Um, so it's actually more of a of a complete HR tool that we utilize. So it, it does house not just recruiting information, but um, a lot of you know internal HR information as well. Um, but you know, in terms of the ATS. Um, yeah, I mean, Workday is our main tool, and it is a global tool that we utilize. Um, so we utilize it across uh, the Americas, EMEA, and Asia Pacific. 
So one of the things I hear from candidates the most is they refer to the ATSs as the dreaded black hole, right? The idea is, is that you apply online and nobody ever sees your resume. What would you, what suggestions or recommendations would you have for someone to get past an applicant tracking system so that someone like yourself will actually see their resume? Sure. So I'll, I'll note this first. So at Tech Data, although we utilize the ATS, um, we try to do our best to screen almost every single resume. Um, and we do that through a couple of different ways. One is we actually have a series of screening questions. So right away, we're going to know, you know, whether you're, whether you're qualified for the role, whether your salary expectations meet the, the budget of our role, um, or whether you require any other, uh, you know, additional pieces like a visa, or if you even are able to, or permitted to work in the U.S. Um, so there's certain additional questions that we ask that right off the bat, will tell us if you, whether or not you're qualified for the role or, or whether or not we feel that we can move you on to the next step. Um, so again, that's, you know, that's all done specifically through the recruiters. And, and we're able to do that because within our recruitment team, we all each have different functions, right? As I mentioned, I focus on IT. Some of my re recruiting peers, you know, specifically focus on sales, others on logistics, others on finance and accounting. And so it really allows us to, to have our own specialty, own that piece, and right off the bat, I can tell whether a resume is qualified just because I've spent so much time in that world, right? So that's just speaking on behalf of, you know, tech data specifically to how our process works. But, you know, in terms of the, the greater question, right, and what you mentioned with, with the ATS being the, the black hole, um, you know, it's difficult because a lot of companies, depending on, you know, their process and, and how they utilize the ATS system uh, varies. But, um, you know, ultimately, the biggest thing is being, being honest on your resume. Um, you know, when you submit that, um, making sure that you answer every single question, that you read the job description. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times people, you know, when I, when I go back and I, I actually make phone calls with, with folks that I'm screening, um, and, and I say, oh, well, you know, you know what did you think of the job description? And they start to stutter um, because they, more than likely, what that tells me is that they didn't read it. Um, and so, you know, maybe, maybe they got lucky and, and I really liked the resume right off the bat. So that's why I had a call with them. But the folks who are missing out on the next step, it, you know, it's most, more than likely is because they're just submitting the resume. They're just, they're, they're spamming it, hoping that that something sticks. And that's, you know, unfortunately, that's not the best way to approach it. You know, I think it's really taking the time to read the job description, you know, look, look back at your resume and say, do I really have this? And being honest with yourself. Um, now, granted, you don't have to have 100% of the qualifications. You know, I think that, you know, I think that's um, almost impossible to, for any recruiter to ever ask that of anybody. Um, you know, mo most people are never going to have 100% of those items. But if you feel that 70 to 80% of that is true and accurate, and you feel comfortable submitting an application to that, um, then chances are you'll move on to the next step. But, um, you know, I think that's the most important thing is when you're facing ATS systems is that, you know, again, read the job description. Uh, make sure that you answer every single question on an application. So if it asks you for a resume, cover letter, it's got additional screening questions that you don't skip over any of them. Um, and then you just thoroughly, you know, look back at your application and, and before you submit it, just think to yourself, you know, is, is this my best foot forward? You know, did I, did I really do what I, what I wanted to do with this application? You know, it's funny that you brought up making sure that you answer all the questions, because as you know, I talk to a lot of talent acquisition folks, recruiters, and one of the things I hear over and over again is that candidates will skip what they call the knockout questions, right? 
they just won't even answer them and then they won't get on to the next phase and they don't realize how important they are or even worse they'll put c resume as the answer and yeah. that's not going to get them to go past either so um when you're looking at resumes so well let's start with do you think that somebody needs to customize their resume then for every job that they're applying for if they want to get past the ats you know i i think to some degree yes um and, and that goes back to to what i mentioned about spamming right i mean you know getting your resume in front of a hundred different people is honestly very unrealistic and it 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 takes away the the personality of the resume right you're you're, you're just you're trying to get it to a hundred different people expecting every single one of them to think the same way. And that's just not the truth, you know, and you have to, you have to kind of do your research on the company. You have to thoroughly go through and really say, do I want to work at this, at this place? Right. Um, I'll tell you when, when I, um, I'll just give you my own personal anecdote. When I interviewed for tech data before I even got the job at tech data, I told myself there was a couple of things I wanted. I wanted to work for a tech company. I wanted to keep recruiting in technology. And I wanted to work for a large organization. That was my criteria, right? And so that automatically knocked out a lot of smaller companies for me. That knocked out, you know, maybe financial companies for me. Now, granted, there's a lot that work in fintech, but I specifically wanted to work with a technology company. And so you got to ask yourself these questions. You know, what is it that I really want from an employer? And so that will ultimately help you dwindle down, okay, going from 100 companies to maybe now your top 10, right? And then from there picking, okay, you know, what is my, maybe my top three, like which one where like, I know for a fact, that's where I want to work at. And that's, you know, that's the one that you're, that you're hoping for. Then that's, you know, you, you tell your resume and you scale it back based off the, the rest of the companies. But, you know, I think the, the, the goal here is, is to really focus on where you want to be, where you see yourself and where you see your career progressing too. Um, because if you don't know that, um, then you're going to have a very hard time. You know, it's going to be very difficult um, to land that job. And, um, you know, it, it could take some time. Um, but it's, you know, ultimately, if, if you are in that rut, it, it's a matter of taking a step back, you know, re-identifying what your goals and aspirations are, and then realigning to that. So. Yeah, I always tell everybody, you have to pick a lane. When I ask somebody, what do you want to do? And they say, I don't know. It's always the scariest thing for me as a career coach, because I'm like, well, I can't help you get to, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I love that, that everybody needs to have an idea. They need to also know what's important to them. So I think that's exactly. awesome. Yeah, and, and I'll add to that real quick. So, I mean, that's that's 100% true. People need to know what's important to them, right? And that, that takes it even, even deeper, right? So, you know, a lot of the questions that I ask when I'm screening an individual is, I, I mean, I quite simply, I ask that very same question. What's important to you? Is it location? Is it benefits? Is it work-life balance? Is it the money? If it is, it's okay, right? So all these questions you got to ask yourself, right? Um, on top of what you want to see from a company, what is it that you want as an individual, right? So, um, so that's a good point. I, I think that's it's those are questions that you have to ask yourself too. You just brought up so many things for me that I could like ask you so many questions on. So I'm trying to stay focused. <laughs> um, you brought up using LinkedIn to source candidates. Do you use LinkedIn Recruiter to source candidates? And I sure do. Okay. And Sorry, now what, what can somebody do to stand out on LinkedIn? What tips and tricks would you give a job seeker? Because I will tell you, a lot of people don't realize that the LinkedIn that the end user sees and the LinkedIn that a recruiter sees are very different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yes, to answer the question again, um, you know, 
our, our entire team uses uh, or has the ability to use LinkedIn Recruiter. Uh, I think it's a pretty much a standard for most talent acquisition teams nowadays um, to use, if not LinkedIn, um, you know, some other type of sourcing tool. Um, and so the goal of these sourcing tools is to find passive candidates mainly, right? I mean, we'll oftentimes run into candidates that are actively seeking, but, you know, again, in, in you know, just speaking in terms of, of what I focus on in IT, the unemployment rate is less than 1%. So the chances of somebody working right now in a current role that, that I want them to work for us are very high. Uh, and so I have to reach out to them in that aspect. But to answer your question around, you know, how can somebody stand out on LinkedIn? Um, there's a couple of different factors there. One is how engaged are you in LinkedIn? First of all, if you just created a profile and you have 20 connections and it's just sitting there and you haven't made any updates in the past two years, chances are I'm going to, I'm going to look at that and say, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just going to move on to the next person. Um, so engagement I think is, is number one. Uh, and that's even things like resharing posts, uh, maybe uploading a photo. You went to an event, take a quick photo and say, Hey, you know, I showed up at this event. It was, it was great. Um, or just, just following people, right? Following hashtags and sharing that. Um, you know, there's, there's different ways that you can engage with LinkedIn. You don't have to be a professional, you know, blogger or, you know, uh, somebody who's networking every other week. But, um, you know, I think a post every couple of, even a cup every month or so, every couple of months, um, you know, tells us that you're engaged, you know, tells your audience, which are your connections. Um, and that's the next step is, is the connections. The whole point of LinkedIn is to grow your network. And so if you don't have connections, and I'm not saying you have to have 5,000 connections because I think that's, even that's unrealistic because chances of you knowing all 5,000 people are very slim. But, you know, the whole point again of LinkedIn is to grow your connections and to really have meaningful relationships with those people. Even if, even if it's a message every couple of months, you know, maybe it's, you know, saying congratulations on your new job or happy anniversary on your job. You know, it, you really have to, you know, not just add people to your connections list, but also engage with those people as well. Um, and, and I would say those are probably the biggest pieces of, you know, utilizing your LinkedIn. And again, just making sure that you're updating your things. If you get new certifications, you're publishing a book, you're working on a project, add those things to LinkedIn. I mean, that's, that's the whole goal, right? This, this isn't a resume. It, it is a resume in a way, but it's, it's not one where, you know, you have to have one page or two pages, like most people tell you. LinkedIn is, is that resource where you can put absolutely everything professional or, you know, career-wise that you can think of and put it on there. It's a CV, right? So put everything on there. Yeah, you can really show your personality on LinkedIn too. Yeah. So you can really stand out, I feel like. Absolutely. So you brought up certifications. Is, do you feel like individuals who have been laid off or a job seeking, should they be continuing their education in some way? You know, I'll speak you know, me personally, I don't know that other recruiters feel the same way, but I personally think if you have some time on your hands right now, um, especially in, in the current situation, that you should be doing something to better your career. Um, and it may not be something specific to your career. Maybe it's a side project, right? Again, maybe you're writing a book. Maybe, you know, you're working on a new skill. I mean, these are all things that you can do while you're trying to find employment. Um, I think if you, if you stay stagnant and you don't, continue to hone your skills, um, then it's going to be a lot more difficult to, to really hop back in the saddle when you do find that next opportunity. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is important to continue doing something. Um, even, even if it's just reading a book or reading an article or something to, 
to continue to, to expand your knowledge while, while you're in the, in, in the transition phase. Sure. So over at Tech Data, are you guys doing virtual interviews right now? We are. So we actually, all our interviews are virtual. Um, we actually use Zoom um, to do most of our interviews. So, um, you know, and, and we have to too, because uh, we do have a lot of managers that are actually in other areas, um, you know, throughout the U.S. Um, I do have managers that I currently, you know, act as my clients um, in Europe as well. Um, so a lot, lot, large part of my IT team sits in Europe. And so, um, you know, even, even when we were back in the office, they had, they've had to interview uh, virtually. So, um, you know, we just expanded that and it's been, it's been very helpful and, and convenient for a lot of our candidates. So what can candidates do to stand out in a virtual interview? Well, first of all, you definitely need to be dressed. Um, you know, I, I think most people overlook that. Uh, you know, even if it's just a polo like I'm wearing right now, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's not, you know, super professional like wearing a suit. But, you know, I personally, I always recommend somebody to always wear a suit for their interview every time. doesn't matter whether you're a janitor or whether you're a CEO. Always wear a suit. That's just me, my own personal, um, you know, preference. And, and, you know, that's how I was raised culturally. I mean, that's how my parents raised me. And, and you know, I took that you know, moving into my, my, my professional career. Um, once you get the job, if they say you can wear shorts, then wear shorts, you know, but um, the goal is for that first interview, you want, you want to knock it out of the park and you want to impress somebody. Um, so that'd be the number one thing. Um, the, other, the other thing and the huge advantage that you have in a virtual interview um, is you can have your notes right in front of you. Mm. You can have questions, you can pull up, a, you know, a, a notepad on your computer, um, you know, take notes while you're there. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of advantages to not being right in front of somebody. And so take advantage of that, right? Utilize the, what you have in front of you um, to, to be, put your best foot forward. Um, and lastly is make sure you come prepared. Um, you know, don't go into the interview, not knowing what the job description is, not knowing, you know, who the manager is going to be. If, if you didn't look up that manager's name on LinkedIn um, or try to find it in some other fashion, maybe just Google it. Um, you know, then you're already setting yourself back. Um, you know, what, the, the one thing that I will say that, that you, you do have a disadvantage on when you do interview virtually and something that I do when I went into on-site interviews, I always look at the person's office, right? And so granted, you can still do that in a virtual interview. You can look at somebody's home in this instance. And, um, you know, just like I mentioned to Suzanne earlier in, in, in our conversation, I, I noticed the big S in the back uh, and it's, it's a good story, right? And so, you know, whether it's on site or, or virtually, it's look at your person's surroundings and, and try to relate to that person. That by far has helped me in almost every interview is I look at the office and I'll say, oh, you're, you're a Green Bay Packers fan or you're a USF Bulls fan. Or, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, and, and, and we have we have amazing conversation for the first five minutes and then we get straight into business. And, and that's what they're looking for. Right. They're looking for somebody that that they can work with. and. I think when you go into an interview with that mindset, it's going to make it that much easier and a lot more comfortable for you to actually answer questions, knowing that this person might want to work with you one day. Yeah, I always tell job seekers that they really need to stay up to date on current events and the news and knowing what's going on in their surrounding areas, because you never know when you're going to walk into somebody's office or right now virtually see something in their house that you can really use to build rapport. So I yeah. think that's great. 
So we hear a lot, and you we're talking about interviewing, so we hear a lot that candidates should always have a question to ask, that they should never at the end of an interview not have a question. So do you agree with that? I mean, how important is that? Talk to me about that. You know, I'm a little indifferent about it. Um, I, I would say it's it's not necessarily bad if you don't have a question. I think, you know, I, I Personally, in my own experiences, I think that asking questions really tells an interviewer how much this job means to you. Um, so if, if I were to say, you know, is there a preference towards asking the question? Yes. Um, would, it, would it make you not get the job? Not necessarily. Um, but I think when you ask questions like, well, what is your strategy? You know, how, where do you see the team in five years? Um, you know, where do you see me in this role, right? If, if you were to offer me this opportunity, um, you know, how could I ensure that your job is, is, is easier for you, right? So, you know, asking these types of questions that really make the interviewer say, hmm, you know what, I didn't even think about that. Um, it, it'll, it'll sometimes, it'll, it'll make you go from an A to an A+. Plus. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, you're still passing if you just not come with questions. But if you do come in prepared with a few questions that, that'll knock them off their socks, then, um, then I think it'll, it'll give you that plus, right? So. Right. And so when it, let's talk about salaries and negotiating salaries. Yeah. It's a topic that job seekers Taboo. often are like, oh, right. Yep. <laughs> um, when is the right time for a job seeker to bring up salary? And is there a difference between when I discuss salary with you, the talent acquisition partner, and the hiring manager? Or how does that even work? And what, what really should candidates be doing? Sure. So... So I, I think for the candidate, it's a little bit of a tiptoe game, right? Because, you know, personally from an HR perspective, you know, we, we are typically the ones that handle the conversation around salary. So, and, and it also varies because I, I will say, you know, just being involved in, in um, you know, in HR policy and, and legal requirements, there are some states that don't allow hiring managers or even HR to ask you for that. Uh, I think California is one of them, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but so I think it's just, it's up to, it's up to your level of comfort, you know, how comfortable you are with, um, with, with responding to that question. But, you know, ultimately I think it makes it easier when you're comfortable to talk about money. You know, it's, it's perfectly okay, um, to bring that question up, to ask about that, to answer that question. Um, if you feel comfortable with that, um, because, you know, ultimately, you know, we want to make sure that, and I'll, I'll just speak myself when I, when I make offers to my candidates uh, and people that, that we're bringing onto the team, um, I want to make sure that I can give you the best offer, you know, and, I, and I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you whether or not we can do it. Um, and if it's something that, that is, you know, appropriate for us. Um, and if not, I'll give you the feedback and tell you why we can't, right. Cause there's a, a couple different, you know, factors that come into play when, when hiring managers and, and companies make decisions on, on salaries for individuals. Um, and, and so you have to look at it from that perspective too, right? We have a certain budget. Um, we also want to make sure that there's, you know, we're, we're equitable with, with the rest of our employees um, who, who are in that same job category that you're in. Um, so th there's a whole variety of different factors that are taken into account when that decision is being made. And so the more comfortable you are with, with talking about that number in the, in the first place, the easier it's going to be, you know, getting to that number that you need, right? Um, so I, I think that's, it's an important question to, to ask yourself and to, to really be able to communicate with, with anybody who asks you that question, because 
Um, it's it's going to come, you know, it, it, at, at some point or another, it's going to come. Uh, and so it's better to just rip off that Band-Aid right away. Um, and for you to right away know, you know, can they even meet my salary requirements? If if you see them cringe and they're like, yeah, I can't do that, then you know, you know what? Chances are I'm not going to, I'm not going to find opportunity here. Let me start looking somewhere else. So. And so I can't agree with you more. People have to get comfortable with it. Everybody's working because we want a salary. We, you know, we're working for money and job seekers. It's just always the one topic that I feel like job seekers get the most uneasy about. Do you recommend that they do research on what the salary for their particular role in their particular area is? Um, I, I would certainly do the research. I would be careful though to bring that up only because, um, you know, there's, again, there's so many factors that, that, that go into account when you talk about a particular salary, especially if you're looking at sp particular skill sets. Um, you know, we're, Quite frankly, I mean, here in Florida, right, we're, we're not going to be able to pay somebody if, if they're making $100,000 in New York, you know, and the job here only entails maybe sixty, seventy thousand. 70000 Chances are we won't be able to pay you 100000 right? And that's just, that's just an example. Same thing in California, other big, you know, larger markets where, you know, the cost of living is higher, you know, the, the taxes are, are a lot different. You know, all these things are taken into account. So I think you know, I, I have run into situations where candidates come to me and say, well, I did research on this. And I say, well, yeah, well, I, I've seen this job 10 times. And I tell you that this is what it's being paid here specifically. Um, and, and the research is great. It's great that you come with that. But don't get stuck on it. Don't get hung up on, on the fact that you did the research. Um, because I tell you, in, in most large enterprise companies, and I'll, I'll just speak on what we do, we do a market analysis. And, and we, you know, we go based off what other companies, you know, what they pay people within a similar job profile. Um, and we also look at data over the, the course of several years um, to determine what, what a hiring range is for a particular job. A lot of enterprise organizations do that, right? And so, um, you know, smaller companies, startups, they focus on, on the, the, the market data as well. But, um, you know, they, they may not have a, a large slew of people in, in, their, in their job profile. So they're strictly going off market data, whereas we may go off of market data as well as equity within our own company, right? Or, or um, you know, what, what is somebody within our own organization being paid for that same role, right? We're not going to pay somebody externally $100,000 if, you know, if we're paying somebody internally 90, right? I mean, it's just not fair. Um, so you got to look at it from that standpoint too. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, to answer your question, it was very long-winded, but um, I, I think it helps to do the research, um, but it helps to have an open mind, listen to the recruiter has to say, and, um, and, and just, you know, go in, go into it with what you want, with what you have in mind, you know, don't go into it because if you're making 70 and the job, you did your research and you found out the job really paying a hundred, I mean, chances are you're not going to get a hundred, but you can definitely get 75, 80, 85. And who knows, eventually you might get a promotion right away at that company and get to the hundred. Um, so don't discount the fact that you can get up to that number, um, over the course of time. And maybe not right away. All very great advice. I, I can't thank you enough for that. So let's talk about cover letters. Okay. So I often joke to cover letter or not, right? That's the question everybody asks. Do you read them? Do you require them? Like, do tech people need to write cover letters? You know what? Um, I'll be honest with you. I think the 
the mentality around cover letters, I think, has changed a lot over the past couple of years. Um, I personally, I mean, in, in the world of tech, um, I don't necessarily read cover letters as much. Um, most people actually don't submit that many cover letters. Um, what I really care about, especially in tech, is portfolios, websites, um, you know, uh, portfolio accounts like GitHub, right, where you can actually document your code or something like that. So I, I more so look for those types of things, uh, certifications, right, um, you know, additional education pieces um, as opposed to a cover letter. Now, a cover letter is great when, um, you know, when you're in like a, a communications type of job, right? So like a, maybe a, a marketing role or a sales role or something like that or maybe a technical writer, right, something like that. It's very important to have a cover letter. Um, but I think, you know, it's – it's up to your discretion. And, and, you know, if, if an application requires it, submit one and make sure you put your best foot forward on it. Um, but if it doesn't, and, and maybe it's an optional piece, um, you know, try and try to find other ways that will really make you stand out as opposed to a cover letter. So again, whether it's a website or a portfolio or some sort, um, you know, just making sure that you have something in addition to, uh, if you're not going to submit a cover letter. Now the opposite side of that is the thank you letter. So what about the thank you notes? Do you think that those are important for job seekers? And if so, when do they send them and how do they send them now, right? Like, is it more impressive to get something in the mail? Can I even get you something at Tech Data in the mail? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I think that's another one, right? I think thank you letters have definitely died down a lot. Um, you know, I think, I personally, every time I've interviewed, I've always sent a thank you email. Whether or not the, the hire manager gets it, that I don't know. But at least in, in my mind, I feel good and I feel comfortable in the fact that, you know what, I put my best foot forward and I actually submitted a thank you to somebody. Um, whether or not you can mail it to somebody, I mean, I can tell you that we, you know, certainly if you address it to me and you send it to Tech Data's, uh, you know, mailing address, uh, I'll more than likely get it. Uh, and I have ha I've had received, you know, a couple of thank you letters here and there. Um, but I think it's just a gesture, right? I think it's, it's definitely a way for you to, to be in the front of a manager's mind when they're making that decision, um, especially if, if you know you made it to the final round um, and now it's maybe a, you know between you and another person. Who knows? That thank you letter might be the reason that you got the job. So, but, I, but I think one thing to know is that you're never going to really know. Uh, and, I, and I think it's it's a matter of just just doing it um, to to make sure that you did everything you could to get that job. Great, great advice. You know, maybe it's just because I was raised in the South, but you know, uh, <laughs> there's no excuse for having bad manners. So. Exactly. And and like you said, I I really think that that is some great advice. You never know, right? A, a, a thank you letter is definitely not going to hurt you. So awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about referrals. Do you think job seekers should try to get referrals into companies that they want to work at or does a referral, how heavily do you look at if an inside employee from tech data says, hey, you know what, my cousin is great for this position. Does that have any weight in your world? Um, it depends. Um, I would say that in more oftentimes than not, it doesn't, right? Because, you know, we do have a program in place at Tech Data um, that, that actually, um, you know, rewards our, our employees for, um, you know, providing referrals. Um, granted, most organizations that have a referral type program, 
require somebody to, to have worked there for 90 days before you even see that reward. Um, so that's another piece, right? Is it, great. You can refer somebody to us, but first of all, they got to get the job. Second of all, they have to stay here long enough, um, you know, to, to even be considered a referral because if they, they're here and, you know, they're here the first week and something, let's say, God forbid something crazy happens and, you know, they're a disgruntled employee and they just no show the next week. It's like, okay, yeah, we're not, that's not a good referral. So, I mean, in terms of you referring somebody, uh, and I'll just give you my own personal, um, you know, thought on this is I wouldn't refer somebody if I didn't feel comfortable that they could do the job. Um, if you're just referring somebody just because they're your friend, um, that's probably not the best thing to do, especially if you don't know the type of work that they produce. Uh, I tell you, I've had friends and family ask me for a referral sometimes, and, and I'll be completely honest with them. I'll say, look, I don't, I don't know if you can actually do the job. I've never seen you do the job. Um, if you're just looking for the job just to get one, um, you know, that's one thing, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to put my name on it if I don't feel comfortable. Right. And so you should feel the same way as somebody who's referring to somebody, you know, if you don't feel comfortable putting your name on it, then chances are you don't want to refer that person. But, um, you know, if, if you definitely had some level of experience working with that individual or, have, you know, uh, maybe through the grapevine have heard that they do good work then at that point, refer somebody, but it, it's up to your discretion really. Got it. And so one of my last questions for you, what would be your sincerest advice if let's say your wife, your closest friend got laid off and they were job seeking? What would you tell them as someone who literally sources candidates all day throughout the week? What advice would you have for one of your closest family members or friends? Well, um, looking for a job on its own is a job. Yes. Let me tell you. Um, you know, especially when, when you're scrambling, I mean, I, you know, I, I like to humanize it because I mean, let's be honest. I mean, everybody's got bills to pay. They don't stop. And, and so you got to look at it that way. And, and, and that's how you gotta, you gotta, that's how you gotta tackle the job search. Right. So, um, you know, I, I've never been in a position where I've been laid off, thankfully. Um, but, um, you know, I've known many people that have, and I've done everything I possibly could to help them out. And, um, you know, if, if I were put in a situation myself or if somebody close to me were put in a situation, you know, I, I would, I would, I would tell them to take it step by step, right? Identify, first of all, do you have your resume ready? If you don't, that's step number one. Okay. Once you have your documents ready, I mean, put up a whiteboard, you know, or something, right. And, and start putting the pieces together. Okay. Jobs A, B, and C. All right. Let's move them forward. Where, where am I in the interview process? Um, you know, have I submitted an application? Um, have I heard any feedback, right? Make sure you follow up with hiring managers and give feedback. It's completely okay to do that. Um, you know, you have the right to know where you stand in an interview process. Now, granted, some companies do a great job of, of telling you where you are in the process and others unfortunately don't or don't have the capabilities to do so. And so you have to go ahead and, and, and reach out to them and, and, you know, find that feedback yourself, but really approach the job search process as, as its own you know, essential job itself, right? Because, um, because that, that rent is not going to stop coming. And so you need to find something soon. Um, but yeah, you know, tackle it, you know, tackle it like, like if you were a project manager and, you know, take it one step at a time um, and make sure that you have every piece uh, as clear and cut as, as possible um, so that you can land that job. But I mean, that, that's how I would approach it. Um, you know, that's the advice that I've given out to other people is, is, um, you know, and, and don't, 
don't feel like something isn't there just because, you know, it, it's been a little bit of a while. Um, you know, some, some folks do get frustrated um, when it's been a couple of weeks or maybe a month or so, um, and they start to get worried and they start to give up hope. Um, and, and, you know, that's where you need to have the most hope. It's the most critical time is when it's been a while now for you to kind of take a step back and, and revisit what your strategy has been around the job search process. So, um, and, and really rely on your network and your friends and other platforms. I mean, the beauty of the, of the, of the world today is, uh, is that we're so connected. I mean, there's, you know, back in the day, you know, 20, 30 years ago, if you were looking for a job, I mean, you had to look at the newspaper or you had to ask your friend, you know, or, or somebody, or you had to actually go to the company itself that you were interested in and say, Hey, are you guys hiring? But now you have, indeed, you have CareerBuilder, Glassdoor, LinkedIn, um, there's networking events, there's, you know, virtual fairs, in-person fairs. I mean, the possibilities are almost endless nowadays. Um, now, granted, we'll, you know, sometimes you may not find that 100% job that aligns to you. But, you know, if, if it gets to that point, then maybe take a step back and then revisit again. I mean, it's okay to take a job, you know, and maybe it not, may, not, may not be 100% what you want. But you continue to look, you know, you fill the gap, right, before you move on to your next role. So I can keep going on and on with this, but, um, but I'm very passionate about this. And, uh, and I try to help as many people as I can when they're in that situation. But that would be my advice to, to folks that, that are in that situation. And so how can somebody find these awesome opportunities at Tech Data? And when they find one that they're a fit for, what's the best way for them to stand out and get in front of you so they get noticed? Well, two things. Um, so first of all, if you're looking for opportunities at Tech Data, um, you go to techdata.com slash careers. Um, that'd be the number one way. Um, you, can, you can find us through other platforms, but so that you know for sure it's not a scam, <laughs> make sure you go to the Tech Data website and go to our career site. Um, and then the other piece, um, you know, again, as I mentioned, I specifically focus in, in the realm of technology. Um, so if you're looking for technology roles, I can certainly help you, but I have, you know, a dozen other peers um, that focus in other areas of tech data. And so if you, if you are connected with me on LinkedIn, send me a message. And if you're not, um, you know, send me a message as to why you want to connect and I'll put you in front of the people that, that, um, that can help you. Um, but the other thing to note there is, um, you know, we're a family here in Tampa. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll add this nugget, you know, with, with certain organizations that I'm a part of, um, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to work with other talent acquisition partners and um, HR uh, professionals across the Tampa Bay area. And so, you know, if we don't have an opportunity to take data, I will certainly connect anybody with, with anybody who's looking, to, looking for a job throughout the Bay area, not just at tech data. The, the goal here is to find people jobs. Um, and, and that's what I'm passionate about. And one of the things I love most about Tampa Bay and the Tampa Bay community. So with that, Jesus, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much for your insight. I have so many great takeaways. Um, I can't thank you enough for your time, for sharing everything that you have, and also for as much as you do in the Tampa Bay community. I see you out quite a bit, and I think <laughs> it's awesome that you're so accessible. So I think Tech Data is lucky to have you, and I think that the Tampa Bay community is lucky to have you. So thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Talent Acquisition Talks. I don't know about you, but I have some great takeaways. 
Good luck in your job search and feel free to reach out to us at computercoach.com if you have any questions or ideas you would like us to cover in an upcoming episode.